Good morning. Good to be with you again. Um, and it's a privilege to have Linda Osterwig, who's the director of the Landing Place, with us this morning. When Lynn asked me to introduce her, we both agreed that it would be a good idea for me to give some backstory about how the landing started, uh, not just as information uh, regarding the landing, but so that it might that story might impact uh, the story here at Brown's Chapel is uh, we're beginning to see uh, an emphasis on uh, moving outside these four walls to minister outside of here. Um, so I, uh, I've agreed to do that. Linda uh, came to us in early uh, 2012 and uh, wanted to share a vision of a ministry that uh, she uh, felt that uh, she needed to um, she, she called, uh, felt uh, called to, felt led to, start a ministry there in, here in Greenfield. Uh, you had been involved in, uh, Christ, in Celebrate Recovery for how many years? Probably six years. And the landing uh, was uh, conceived to be a ministry uh, patterned after Celebrate Recovery. And so she came to that board meeting in March of 2012, uh, to share that vision and uh, to see if uh, the Life Choices Care Center would uh, perhaps be involved in in uh, support, uh, perhaps even uh, the, the sponsor of the landing place. And so uh, she shared that vision, and the board uh, uh, considered it again in April and again in May. In June, continued to discuss what we might do. Uh, at that time, we had enough uh, money in the treasury to fund one ministry, the Life Choices Care Center. Didn't have money for a second ministry. And so we get to the July meeting, and it's time to fish or cut bait. And so uh, as board chair, it was my responsibility to frame the question and ask for a decision. And so I shared with them, reminded them of, it's, it wasn't something they'd never heard before, but I reminded them of the story of how the Israelites came out of Egypt and ended up in Canaan, in the Promised Land. And uh, they came out of Egypt, they uh, came to the barrier of the Red Sea, and it parted, God parted those waters, and they walked across on dry ground. And then that generation spent 40 years in the wilderness uh, essentially dying off because none of them were going to go into Canaan. It was going to be the children and the grandchildren who were going to cross over into Canaan. And so uh, it came time to, uh, to make that, uh, that transition into Canaan, move across the Jordan River into Canaan. And you can read that story in Joshua 3. But Joshua was told... To, uh, by God, to tell the uh, priests to take up the Ark of the Covenant and go stand in the water. It wasn't going to be like the Red Sea that would just part and they walk across on dry ground. And so I said to the, to the board, uh, they could see across the Jordan into Canaan. They could see Jericho. They could see Jericho. Had no idea 
of the miracle that was going to happen at Jericho once they got across. But they had to get their feet wet. If those priests had never chosen to step into the water, they'd have never experienced Jericho, they would never have experienced the promised land. And so I said to the board, I'm asking you to vote for us to get our feet wet. We see where we need to go, but we don't know how we're going to get there. And so that little board voted unanimously to take this step of faith and launch the landing. So that's how we started. And I would say to this body of believers here, to this fellowship, that it doesn't take a large group to move things. It takes a small group of committed people who are willing to say yes, let's get our feet wet. Linda, come and share. So I'm excited to come and share with you. Um, I shared, I think, a couple years ago about where we were and what we were doing at the landing. So it's exciting to come and share um, we uh, about what we have grown to and where we're going. Uh, God gave me a verse uh, this morning, and it was 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This verse has been an ongoing verse in my own life. Um, I struggle with that spirit of fear. And so God is always pouring that over top of me. And I knew that as we begin to speak about this new transition for the landing and what we're doing, that that fear, as always, I'm in that battle frame. He's always pointing out in my own life the vision and call he's placed on me. And to be honest, I wrestle with that call uh, that God has put on me. It is often that I share with him in my quiet time and with close friends, I just really can't do this. And um, sometimes I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> so I wrestle that question with the Lord, and he's always faithful to remind me by sending a confirmation that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Where he has placed me and the vision is not mine, but it is his. And because of that, he's able to make the vision come to life. He's able to provide, and he then will get the glory, not a person. So that's exciting for me as he continues to confirm that. His mission is reaching the unloved, the unchurched, the ones who um, society has shunned and who whisper about silently as they walk beside them. The ones that, quite honestly, the church has said our doors aren't open to the ones that are sick and that are hurting. And then the church says, where's their sin? What's caused that? What's in their life? This mission is not one that I would have chosen for myself. It is not easy and it is not comfortable. And it's not an easy vision that I said yes to. But God has done something inside of people who he calls to such a task that they can't seem to do anything else but what he has said to do. 2 Corinthians 2.10 says, Give me wisdom, knowledge, that I may lead the people, for who is able to govern these people of yours? And quite honestly, every week at the landing before we pray, as our group comes in, we are asking God that. Give us wisdom. Give us knowledge. Who is able, able to govern and lead these people of yours? These are his people. We have stepped into a arena where God has called us, and it is important. This morning, I'm wondering if God is calling you 
to partner with God and to live out the mission and the vision of the landing place. I'm excited to share about the at the landing place and the growth we've had since we've uh, since I've been here. We celebrate five years this October, October 9th, 2013. We opened with nine students. Today, we run anywhere from 40 to 72 students every week. He's done an amazing work in five years. I see the landing place as building new things for our community. Just like Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, we are rebuilding lives in our community. We're restoring things that have been broken down. We're making new places in the community. God is calling us to that. We are giving hope to the hopeless. We are loving the unlovable and showing them first that we love them, not only with words, but with our actions. And by doing that, we're not asking them questions. We're not saying, are you a believer? We're not saying, can you change this behavior? We're saying, we just love you. And because of that, they begin to trust us. And it is an honor to walk alongside of them. Then they begin to hear our voice. Then they recognize that we can speak truth into them and maybe this Jesus really is real and he loves them. We see all kinds of young faces walking through our doors on Wednesday night. They have literally captured my heart and my team's heart. Some walk in with smiles and they're excited and they walk in, we don't open till six, they walk in at five and they're ready. They're smiling, they're ready to check in and then they're running around going crazy. Some walk in with no expression on their face because they're too cool to let us know they really want to be there. But they're there. Some walk in with that spirit of fear all over them, and you can see it on them. They come usually with a parent, and they're alone, and you can see that they struggle to even stay. Some walk in that they don't even want to be there, but they're ordered by court to be there, and they're wearing an ankle bracelet but they come anyway. And so we just love them right where they are and accept them right where they are. And the ones that are so fearful that we say, just stay, give us one shot. We each, we challenge those new students. Give us six weeks challenge to come six weeks just to see if you, and after six weeks, if you don't like it and you don't feel comfortable here, then we'll say, okay, go. But after six weeks, it's amazing to see that face that was so full of fear. The eyes were so afraid. Have you ever seen eyes that were afraid? To where now they have light in them. There's a heaviness off of them. They're not all the way there yet, but they've started the process. The landing is impacting our community church. We see that with changes in students, that they're working the program, and the community has seen that we're making an impact We've gotten the Bobby King Award from the community for Hancock Regional Hospital recognized us as nonprofit uh, program of the year. We've been nominated twice in five years for best nonprofit in Hancock County by the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we didn't win, but the people who won were way ahead of us and were only five years. And I just think that's an honor. And it speaks of what we're doing. And it speaks to the students that they matter to the community. We've moved from a Wednesday night program that Saddleback started when we started, and I went to John. I came with a kit that was from Saddleback Church that had four books that was very biblically based. It was a church program. 
and we came into the view of starting that program from Saddleback because I came from uh, Celebrate Recovery, we have morphed into something way different. We could not reach the outside world with those tools that we had. So we began to make our own tools. We began to do our own teachings. We took the principles of recovery and we wrote our own teachings. We took, um, we took some of their material and we took some of this material and we made this big material. And with that, Hancock County has said, we see the vision and we're jumping on board with you. So the vision has moved from that Wednesday night program to looking at the landing place as a community recovery center for Hancock County. We've added um, new staff to our, our organization. We brought on an administrative assistant with for me who took over the finances and what a blessing. And I don't know if that was happening two years ago or not, but she took over all the finances. She does uh, admin work for me and what a weight lifted off there. For several years I was alone doing what I needed to do uh, with volunteers on Wednesday night. And the board brought her on and we took that staff uh, funding and that was scary for me, <laughs> the spirit of fear. So then the next thing we knew is that um, God was continuing to grow. And as the Lord continued to grow the vision bigger of the landing place, last um, Thanksgiving, we do a Thanksgiving dinner every year for our students. We serve them the best Thanksgiving meal. And they look forward to it. But sometimes they don't get that. So, and then we do a thankful night. Somebody come and decorates the building. They do our tables. We set it up just like if we were honoring them and they were, they were the kings and queens that they really are. And I decided this year, let's do um, a thankful night. And I wanted to ask my daughter Kara to lead that night and to sing and do uh, have the students share um, what they were thankful for. So one of the board members supplied all of the Thanksgiving dinner, her family. They came and they served us. We had a feast. And Kara led the group that night. She sang and she interacted with the students. And God confirmed to me that night that the landing was shifting and that Kara really needed to lead young souls. And that I was in the need to continue to build programs for our recovery center. And Kara would step in to lead on Wednesday night and meet with students one-on-one. -on -one. That was what my vision was continuing to say to me. A week after the Thanksgiving dinner, I got a call from that board member, and she said, can we meet? And I said, yes. She said, it took me two days to text you to say what a wonderful night it was. My heart was overwhelmed, and I could not speak for two days of what I seen in that place that night. The vulnerability of those students the hearts that they shared, and me going home to my fine home and recognizing the need there. She said, I also want to say something to you that I've been praying about, and don't take this wrong, but you need a Kara, and she needs to lead on Wednesday. I see you in a different place. That kind of took me back because God had already speaking that to me. And in February, I went on a vacation and just really prayed and God confirmed that again. And I was praying that he would confirm that to Kara. <laughs> Kara has a heart for young souls. And God confirmed that he was leading us into that direction. And as you guys know my story, out of my pain, 
birthed my passion. My daughter lived in addiction, and out of that is why we do what we do. The reason I said yes to God is because of that. I couldn't stand here without a story. I couldn't leave without ever walking in those parents' shoes or those kids' shoes. So today, I've brought Kara with me. And as we transition me out of leading on Wednesday, she's following and going to meetings, and she's leading, and she um, uses music. And I just want her to give just a little bit of her story, not all of it, because you would be here all day. But I want her to share a little bit of why she's been called to the landing. This is Kara. I hate, she's the speaker. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I can do really well one-on-one -on -one with the kids, and I play music full-time for a living, but it's different because you're hiding behind, like, a guitar. I usually have a buddy. We're in a duo. Um, when we started the landing five years ago, I was really on board. Uh, I was three and a half years sober. Well, I was, like, a year and a half sober at that point. And I just was a volunteer on Wednesday nights, and I loved it. I led the worship. I did everything. Um, when I relapsed in 2016, I took a, a step back and really didn't get involved until recently. I always knew the Lord wanted me to work with youth, but I was still kind of dealing with my own stuff. You're always dealing with your own stuff. <laughs> if you're not growing, then what are you doing, right? Um, so I have a heart for it because, uh, when I was eight or nine, I was sexually molested. So I didn't tell anyone that until I was in eighth grade. Um, by the time I hit eighth grade, I had already manifested behaviors such as anxiety, depression, worry. Um, I was angry. All of these things started happening. I didn't know why or where they came from. Um, but I went into high school, I started cutting. Um, I had a lot of sexual harm um, because I thought that was the normal thing for me to do since it happened at such a young age. Um, and then finally I decided to drink when I was 16 and that took everything away instantly. Um, addiction runs long in my family. My grandpa died of an alcoholic, my uncle is currently an alcoholic, my aunt, um, it, on and on and on. Uh, when I drank and it gave me that freedom, I thought, oh, well, this is it. I, it's a misery to wake up and be in constant state of panic every day, all day long. Am I too close to you? I don't know. I sing in a mic every night. It's weird. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, uh, by the time I was 21, I was in jail in Marion County. I would have never thought I'd be going to jail. Uh, and also, 22, I think, was my first day of rehab. Um, and so on it goes, 24, 23, I was in rehab. 24, I was in rehab. 25, I had a DUI. Um, I'm on house arrest. I'm in and out of jail. I'm driving on a suspended license. I'm getting pulled over, going to jail for that. Uh, my life is just... Um, a disaster. Uh, October 2019 of 2012, I went to Gary Wright's house. I don't know if you know him, but if you don't, you should. It's like the right-hand man of Jesus. Um, 
And I went into his house and said, I'm going to kill myself today. This is on a 17-day bender. I'd been drinking. I love to drink 15 to 16 to 17 days in a row, 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. Because uh, I didn't like to be sick. Um, I woke up drunk that morning. I drank a fifth of vodka. I left. I got some more alcohol. And on my way out to his house, I was opening my third bottle of whiskey or my third bottle of booze by noon. And I told him I was going to kill myself and to take care of my mom. <laughs> you know, it was Chris I always said, it's Christian University at my house. <laughs> um, because this one was constantly having prayer meetings at our house or all the church. I was like, all the church people are at my house again. <laughs> and um, Which I love that now. But uh, So he... When I told him I wanted to kill myself that day and to take care of my mom, he just asked me why, and I told him all the things I had done and uh, the things that had been uh, wronged by, to me, and he asked if he could pray over me, and I thought that was so funny. I was like, we have bigger fish to fry here, but if you want to pray for me, go ahead. <laughs> um so when I woke up, or he prayed over me, I don't remember a word of the prayer. By this time, my mom had came there, and I just remember opening my eyes and looking up and being in front of Gary Wright, who's a big man, um, stone-cold sober. And I looked at him for a long time, and I looked over at my mom, and I was like, basically. And... Um, we left, and from that day forward, I, I believe God really took the, the um, desire and the craving for addiction from me because I wouldn't have been able to live. And that um, sparked my interest on, I did a seven-day fast. I read in the Bible about all the healings. Um, the women's recovery house that we're doing is Talitha Kahum, and I was in my room one day reading um, about, about that specific story, and they said, come quick, our little girl is dying. And he says, she's just merely sleeping. And uh, he gets there, and they said, you're too late. And he says to her, Talitha Kahum, and it means, little girl, get up. And I was like, I went downstairs, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that just happened to me. <laughs> and so when I relapsed, that was a stupid decision on my part. I had the choice to say, no, I'm not going to go back to the only coping skill that I know. Um, there wasn't a desire to drink. Um, even after I relapsed, I didn't want to keep doing it like before. I would just, it would just hit me so hard and I couldn't stop. And so I believe the Lord delivered me from that for sure. So when they asked me to come on at the landing, I knew, I've known for a long time that's where I was supposed to be. I would say 90% of the kids I meet with have all have sexual abuse in their background. No one is going to listen to you talk about sexual abuse unless you've experienced it. Lots of them are dealing with um, addiction in their family or personally. No one's going to listen to you. They might hear you a little bit, but I know for me personally, if you were telling me how to get sober but you've never done it, I can't hear you. <laughs> um, if you're telling me, they want to know that I know what they're walking through. And I feel like I've walked through a handful of fires for this specific reason. Um, I love those kids. Like she was saying, they do drive you insane. <laughs> and they don't listen. <laughs> but I remember what it's like 
to be functioning out of a wounded heart. Even today at 33, I go through trials. I mean, we all do, you know, little things. Like currently right now, I'm 12 days a non-smoker, and I want to slice everybody's neck off. <laughs> and she, this morning, she's like, we, I forgot we were speaking. I was like, where, why, why? But I was like, it's just because you haven't smoked. Calm down. <laughs> uh, but I, my heart is for them, and I, I do love them madly, and we're making a change. And when we first started, and they were 19, girl, 19 high school girls in my group that didn't believe in the Lord, and they all believed in Wicca, and they were doing this. They love Buddha and blah, 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 and 15 of them are baptized, and now all of them are because they know that it's about a relationship and not a religion and that it's about the love and I love them and they feel the love because I'm giving them the love that I get from the Lord. So um, it, it definitely is a game changer. But anyway, I don't really know what else you want me to say. <laughs> I, I, I want to care to share that story because as we transition, her, she has a powerful story of what God did deliver her from. And though she doesn't remember that morning, quite uh, like I do when they called me and said come, come we have her and um, we were all in a circle and Gary like she said she was in front of Gary and she had her arms around his neck and I was on one side Carol Wright was on another and he was specifically praying that, that the enemy would uh, deliver or let go of her and that God's call we always knew Care had a call on her life from a very early age and when she shares her whole story she talks about at one time at 14 she gave her life to the Lord but you know, just didn't really live that, but she had a relentless lover through that whole time of her addiction. She, she's, it's. I would be drunk. At, I gave my life. I got saved at a camp. I was like, everybody's doing it. I want to do it too. <laughs> and so, uh, but then I'd get drunk in the bars, and I'd be out all night, and I'd be telling these people like, "You are sick. I need to pray for you." And like, I'm drunk too. And I'd be like, the Lord doesn't want you to be hanging out in these places. But also, could I get another drink? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, so we knew early on, and she's, to be honest, she's anointed. So um, people, when she goes places, when she says she's not a speaker, she really is, because people are cling to her. And the kids do that. They're drawn to that. God has done that. And though she has wrestled with that call at times, her, you know, she has, today she has stepped over into that. So... And I'm just so thankful for that, that that day when he prayed that and Kara's arms was around his neck. She often asked me to take her to Gary's house at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, and I would say, no, we can't go there at that early in the morning. You're drinking. Well, she found her way there that next morning. And um, as he prayed for her, her arms was around his neck. This arm came with a fist down, like clenching, as he claimed her life. Her arm went back up, take a hold of his neck. He claimed her life again, prayed. And I can't know all the specific wording, but all of a sudden, this time her arm went down and her hand opened wide, her palm, and it went beside me. And I immediately felt, Whew. Her knees buckled and she buckled into his chest. And she began to weep, sobbing. And I knew, I felt it. It was awful. That night, she had me take her to everybody she ever knew, that she knew. We went to a prayer warrior's house, and she said, I want you to look in my eyes. God has delivered me. She went to my mom and knelt beside her and said, Mom, said, Grandma, God has delivered me. 
She went to friends. She called family members, and she said, I'm going to church Sunday, and I'm going to sit in the front pew. Kara was in and out of church most of her addiction life and led worship in and out of Celebrate Recovery. She went that Sunday morning, sat in the front row of that pew, and didn't leave for three and a half years. Sat in the same position. And God radically shifted her. So I knew that Genesis 50-20 was it. What the enemy meant for evil when she was little. That God never intended for her. That today, God is using her good. And using her mightily. So that's why I, I wanted to introduce her and let you know what she's doing. Because as I transition to be more of the at person adminly, she will be more of that leader for the landing. Thank you. I love you. So as I continue to read the Bible and I seen where God um, fed the 5,000 and then he asked his disciples to get into the boat to go across to the other land, I believe the church, God is asking us to step into a boat and go to a land that sometimes we don't really know what's on the other side. And taking that step and bringing Kara on also was getting into the boat and stepping out of that boat for us as funding. Um, the board said yes, and we were like, again, I was like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And um, we need the money. <laughs> but we're going to trust God to provide that. But we're launching a new program called The Bridge, August the 28th. We have been meeting once a month for about six months or longer to offer a program for the students that are aging out of the landing called The Bridge. It's an evidence-based program called Living in Balance, and it's for substance abuse users. And we will use all recovery certified recovery coaches. So we brought in ACADA, which is the Indiana Counselors Association of Alcohol, Drugs, and Addiction. And we brought him in. Uh, Stan DeCamper and Nate Rush wrote a grant. We received $3,000. They were six. And we trained all of the bridge. And we trained the landing leaders who wanted that. Kara and the admin assistant, Tria, they've already been to the training. I'm already a certified recovery coach. And so that puts us just a little bit above the rest as a recovery center and as a program. And the courts and the community will look at that and see that those recovery coaches are leading an evidence-based program to get people sober, 18 to 28, which is the hardest age to stay sober, and the generation that we are burying. So we've seen the gap in the community, and we needed that. And so we begin, that, that vision has been about a year and a half into the process, and now it's about to take place. August the 28th will be our first opening night on a Tuesday, 6.30. All the recovery coaches will be trained. The mental health, behavioral health community, they came to me and said, Linda, who's leading that? They know it's an evidence-based program. It's used in multiple rehabs and jail settings. And I said, all certified recovery coaches. And they go, oh, okay. So they'll be sending people our way. We also have an NA meeting um, on Sunday nights at the landing that runs anywhere from 7 to 15 people a week that come in um, from uh, that need Narcotics Anonymous. We have a vision for the coffee house, and that's been ongoing for five years, and I talk about it every time I speak because it's going to happen. <laughs> and so we're trying to reach the community, and Carol will run open mics uh, in, through that coffee house area, and that is starting to take place in our building. Um, we see that the community has all of these gaps, and we see that we 
can be the foundation of the building like Nehemiah to give our people. Our people are asking us. They're dying. What can we offer you? We want to bring, they're wanting to bring pods for the jail, for recovery pods. But when they step out of that jail, where are they going? They have to have programs. And we want to be that community center of recovery where they will get those programs at. We met with a girl, a young girl, two weeks ago, Kara and I. She walked into our office. Her boyfriend just broke up with her. She had tried to commit suicide twice, 17 years old. And she said, I'm working at Kean, 5 to 9, after school. I pay my cell phone bill. I buy my food. And um, I just quit my job because I found my mom in the office with her, uh, with a guy. And she's married to her stepfather. She has no relationship with her biological father. And now she's ready to commit suicide again because the only boyfriend that's ever been good to her has broke up with her. And I almost had to crawl under my seat because she's telling me all these things that she pays for and she does for herself and she takes care of and she's 17. She's just going to be a senior. And um, I rolled my chair close to her and I said, I think, I think that you're beautiful. I think that you're wise. And as I got closer to her, her eyes swelled up with tears and she just started sobbing. And Kara said, let us love you like you're supposed to be loved as we walk alongside of you. Would you commit to this program, to seeing us one-on-one? That little girl, young girl, walked out, and we are now seeing her one-on-one. We have a young girl that's only in uh, middle school. Who's, she watched her mom get murdered. Her dad was ran over by a car out by um, Eskenazi on his bike. He's an addict, and she lives with grandparents who don't want her. And she just posted um, on Facebook, the leader messaged me this week and said, read this, and it's from a young girl named Lily. And she said, if there's anybody out there that needs to find hope, that needs to know that they're loved, that needs to know that there's real help, then look for the landing. Come, I'll walk in with you. And I thought right there, that's what we're doing, what we do. That's why, if it's just one that we can give that hope to, why would we not do that, church? We have multiple stories like that. Five years in the making. This September the 11th, we will celebrate our our second year of our loan banquet, and we are going to celebrate at Adagio's. You will hear student stories. It will be about students, and you'll get to meet them, interact with them, and hear how the landing has impacted and saved their lives, to be honest, truly save their lives. The one thing we can't do is we can't change their parents. We can't change their home life. And we can't keep them all in our homes either. So when one walked out last Wednesday a week ago and said, I'm going to go to the park and sleep, everything in me wanted to take her home, but I know that I can't do that. I just cannot. So we have homeless young people in our community, you get to come to church every Sunday and you get home, you go home and it might look really pretty, but I'm telling you, it's not pretty. And unless you walk outside of these walls, you don't know. So I'm asking you 
would you get out in the boat? When Jesus put them in the boat and sent them to the other side, he knew a storm was coming. When God puts a call on your life and puts you in the boat, a storm will come. And on the other side of that land where he was sending them was a man who had been bound in his mind, in chains, tortured, hurting, and in bondage. And he knew they had to get over there. So where God is leading us to in the next five years, there's a land over there. There's people, their lives. He's sending us to. But storms will come to keep you from moving and keep you in the boat. When I say people are dying, I truly mean people are dying. We've, we've went to many funerals in that age group of 18 to 28. The enemy of your soul will do everything he can to keep you sitting where you are, hearing but not doing. He'll keep you busy and giving you all the reasons why you can't. It's time, church, that we break down the walls. We step out where he's leading us, and we feed those who are hungry, hurting, and step into a messy, dirty life. When she struggled for 11 years in addiction, the shame, because it, like she said, I was, a, I, was a, I was getting certified in my biblical counseling, and I was a huge leader in my church, teaching, doing all of the recovery stuff, and my daughter is dying. And I would often say that to the Lord. You have me doing this, and I'm watching my daughter die. And I can't do one thing about it. And only you can step in, God. So when she said we had prayer meetings, I had prayer meetings. God birthed an intercessor in me. At midnight, I would call a group of us, and we would lay on the floor, and we would cry out for her. Because I knew that God had a call on her life. And I knew the enemy would use whatever he could to distract her and keep her from that call. But praise God, he answers our prayers. He truly does. And as we break down the walls of Greenfield, we have helped launch three other landings. One in Fort Wayne. They came and started coming to our meetings, and then they partnered with the charter school in Fort Wayne. They did all the training. We helped um, start an Anderson one. They came and did all of our meetings, their team did, and then did our training, and then went out and started theirs in Anderson. I have a, a great male leader who came to us three years ago, has a huge testimony story of what these kids walked. And Shelbyville a Community Church started coming to us after our last banquet and said, can we uh, start a landing? We want to just be underneath you. We said, no, but we'll train you. So they started their team and bringing in all of their team, and that leader went to go be the director of that landing, and they're opening up in Shelbyville called the Recovery Zone in downtown Shelbyville. We've got a landing bus where we go pick up students and take them home. We pick up a couple that lives in the Shamrock Motel. The United Way gives us boxes of food that we send home with them in the summer. And um, God is doing a work in that. Whatever your boat looks like, I don't know. I can only speak of my own boat, my own life, 
in what God is doing. But I know that he's calling the church to step in and step out and to tear down walls, whatever that looks like. Funding, I have sign-up sheets. We need security people. I need monthly donors. I need more churches on board that look at us as a local mission. We have three right now that are monthly donors. I think we're scary, to be honest. I'll just be honest. I think we're scary to churches. I think they look at us and they look at those kids and they're like, uh, no. And uh, we don't want to send our kids there, you know, which is, which is okay. But if it wasn't for what we're doing, who would do it? Who would do it? So I just encourage you to come and view us on a Wednesday night and get ready to get wrecked. Because the Lord told me years ago, when you walk in, take your shoes off. This is a building to you, but it's holy ground to me. And those lives matter. I appreciate you listening. Thank you. God bless you. Quite a lot of Kara's story, a good bit of the landing story, and uh, I want you to listen to Isaiah's story, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he compared the holiness of God to the uncleanness of himself. And the next thing that happened was that a seraph came with a coal and touched his lips, and his sin was atoned for. Then in verse 7, there's this word, then. Then God said to him, I have a job for you. And Isaiah's response in 6.8 is, Here, my Lord, send me. We all have that story in us if we're Christ followers. That didn't just happen to Isaiah. That is uh, something that happens and is true of each of us. That is, if we are Christ followers, then he has a job for us to do. And so the question that we have to ask is, if not me, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? And so I would challenge this church, this body of Christ here, that we have a task to do individually and corporately. And so uh, uh, we have to ask that question, if not us, who? If not here, where? If not now, when are we going to? How many of you have noticed how quickly the days are going by? Where did June go? Where are the weeks going? And so we have to say, if we're not dealing with the heartache and the tragedies that are taking place outside these walls in this town of Greenfield, in this county of Hancock, then we need to understand that, that it's imperative that we begin to do that now. We begin to act now. So that's my challenge for this group today. Thank you, Linda and Kara, for coming. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that you have, in fact, given us work to do in your kingdom, 
in your world outside these walls. Thank you for using this space and these opportunities that we have to fellowship and to worship and to praise you together, to be prepared to prepare us for working outside these walls to those who are, are for those and with those who are lost. Father, help us to do that. Bless this community of, of believers. Thank you for each life that's here. And we just ask that you would lead each of us to do that which you're asking us to do. Go with us now in Christ's name.